Let us pray. O great creator, both Abba and Amma, please allow me to speak clearly, honestly, and to exemplify your Holy Spirit. And in your name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Before I start, I, you know, in, in our litigious world, I want to put out a liability statement. If you don't care for what is said today, do not bother Troy and Whitney or anybody at the cathedral. Contact me direct, and we'll have a chat. I'd also like to be, uh, point out that this month there are three very meaningful things that are happening, and actually they're, they're somewhat related. One is, I don't know if you've seen the art show that's in uh, the cathedral there, but that is based off of Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Um, secondly, and this is for my pal Matt, wherever he is, next weekend will be the National Alliance of Mentally Ill People, the walk that we, many of us have sponsored. And so please, if you haven't sponsored, please do so. And thirdly, next week is our state convention where we will be unleashing, unveiling, whatever way you want to look at it, Episcopal Recovery Ministries. My name is John Christopher, um, and I would say I'm an addict and an alcoholic. And then you say, hi, John. Thank you. But I actually like to call it by what it was. I was a drunk and a junkie. I don't like to mince words about it. But also, too, I am a living, breathing miracle of biblical proportions. Now, my wonderful family is here, and my parents and my brother and my wife are semi-rolling their eyes going, well, he wasn't a bad kid, but I don't know if I'd call him a miracle. But I am. Through the disease of addiction, I lost everything externally, and I almost lost everything internally. There is no side of this disease that I have not lived and gone through and been a part of. And I actually, for a while, was counseling professionally for it. I lost a brother to it. I've lost many friends. Once I was, had overdosed and was out for two minutes, dead, and they were able to revive me. But in more ways than one, I was already dead. There are no spiritual addicts and alcoholics. The minute you cross that line in that disease, your relationship, any chance of a relationship with God is gone. And this disease is still a huge, one of the biggest problems in this country. Now, alcohol is legal, so we think that's okay. Alcohol kills more people than all the other drugs combined. And if you don't think the alcohol lobbyists have power in Washington, you're naive, because they do. And what I'm going to say may shock you, or some may even think is heretical, but as many priests have told me, they were told in seminary, if a priest didn't give a sermon two or three times a year that you'd get him fired, he wasn't doing his job. Guess what, folks? 
One out of 10, statistically, of you in this room has a substance abuse problem, probably closer to two out of 15. And another thing, the Episcopal Church has an abysmal history and reputation with alcohol. We've heard all the jokes. We see all the postings of various beverages. We not only are a hard-drinking lot, we seem to revel in that reputation. And that needs to change. Last October, exactly to this month, Bishop and I sat down and began to talk about starting this ministry. And it turned out to be prophetic on his part because in in Maryland in January or February, we had a bishop kill a bicyclist because she was drinking. And I don't absolve her of guilt, even though she has a disease. There's a saying in AA, you're not responsible for getting it, but you are responsible for recovering from it. And she, she relapsed. And guess what? To the very top of our church, all the signs were there and nobody said anything. Because that's the other thing about Episcopalians. We tend to be very polite. Well, when it comes to this subject, we can't be polite. And Episcopal Recovery Ministries is going to undertake a very large-scale education program around every church in the diocese. We are going to try to build stronger bonds between the 12-step groups that use our churches for their meetings. The first AA meeting ever held was held in an Episcopal church. We are going to build a network of people in recovery, some maybe ex-counselors, therapists, and we are going to build a network of people that can offer help to anyone that enters the church doors. We talk a lot about serving people out in the streets. And we talk a lot about transformation. Well, I can honestly tell you that I've never seen a more godly transformation than a down-and-out drunk or junkie that gets recovery. I know because I'm one of them. Through the grace of God and the saints and angels and AA and NA and various groups, I have now been sober over 21 years, day by day by day. And because my family is here, I would like to acknowledge the tough love and yet always loving support that was there for me. Nobody got, it, got into it but me. It was, you know, I'm the one that drank and drugged. And unfortunately, I have the disease. And it is a mental illness. It is a brain disease. And that's why the National Alliance for the Mentally Ill is such an important part of this. And when we're talking about the art show, domestic violence awareness, 70% of domestic violence has drugs or alcohol involved. This is a serious epidemic problem in our church. And so we must learn not to glorify it, not to revel in it, but to accept it for what it is. Many people out there have no problem having a cocktail. That's great. But we spend an inordinate amount of time having alcohol, 
drinking alcohol and talking about alcohol in the Episcopal Church. It's just the fact of life. Senior citizens. Well, this doesn't apply to me. I'm not some guy out on the street or some young kid. The fastest growing group of addicts in this country is senior citizens with pain medication. And we think, well, a doctor gave it to me. It must be fine. No, it's not. If it's abused, it's abused. And all those pain pills, many of them are basically heroin in pill form. And you think, well, the doctor gave it to me. It's a legal drug. I only, well, yeah, I took two today because he said one, but I was really feeling bad, so I took two. And next thing you know, it's three, and now you're hooked. I have a pharmacist friend who tells me that he gets calls all the time from senior citizens pulling the same scams that every drug addict he's ever known have pulled on the phone. We have senior citizens out now scoring heroin on the streets because it is so dirt cheap and they can't either get the pills or afford them anymore. So don't think as a group you're scot-free. You're not. So please, please, when we kick this program off and, and we will have a session here and we'll have a session at many churches, please think about yourself, a family member, a good friend. We're not doing them any favors by staying silent. Think about how they could be helped. Statistically, again, for every addict or alcoholic, four, at least four people that are very close to them have their lives affected in a very adverse manner. As we say in the rooms, addicts and alcoholics don't have relationships. We take hostages. Lastly, when we build these bridges for people in our churches and around our communities, do not forget the 12-step groups. No, we're not trying to convert them. Some of them may come to church, some may not. Um, we do actually have 12-step liturgies that are approved to do if someone was interested in them. But also, too, because they're in recovery and if they're really working a program, they also want to serve. For various people out here with different ministries, you need people to help you do work. Talk to these groups. They are very willing to volunteer to, to give something back because they know they are some of the most fortunate people walking. I don't know what each of your individual beliefs are about a, a literal heaven and hell, but I can tell you, before you get in recovery, if you're fortunate enough to survive, you don't need to know anything more about hell than right there. And when you do recover, and you do establish a spiritual life, and you do have a relationship with Christ, God, the Holy Spirit, all three rolled into one, whatever, you will truly believe you reached heaven. I am grateful and humble to be standing here because left to my own best thinking and best efforts, I almost died. But God saw something and asked me to live. And if someone about 25 years ago said, in 25 years from now, John, while you're drinking and drugging and all that, you'll be vested in a pulpit 
an ordained priest giving a sermon at the cathedral? I would have said, what drugs are you using? Because they're obviously better than the ones I have. It can happen. Miracles can happen. And so please, if any of you want to talk confidentially or after the meeting or want to email me, we will make sure that information is available. I don't do it because I'm a saint. I do it because people did it for me and it is what God calls me to do. And lastly, I have to say I cannot thank not only my humble opinion, probably the best dean in the country, but a very good friend of mine, Troy Mendez, for allowing me to do this and to kick off this guest preacher series. When you look and see your name from where I've come from and doctor this and doctor that and they have this master's degree, here you just got a ragamuffin priest. Amen.